Today on Abounding Grace. Now I guarantee you, anybody that's backsliding right now, anybody that's uh, not saved right now, they're hearing all sorts of things. They got all kinds of things. Oh, I can't go back to church. They'll, they'll judge me there. No way. Then I'll see that, and I'm messed up too bad. God will never receive me again. The church will never take me back. Never. And if they do come back, listen, what they need is encouragement. Encouragement. To me, that's like the big word uh, for the church. The church just need, we need to be encouraged in the Lord, man. This is amazing grace. If you've ever hiked in the mountains, you know how easy it is to get off the beaten path and get lost. A few wrong turns and you have no idea where you are or how you got there. You know, sometimes that happens to us spiritually. We start drifting off course. We're rarely praying or reading the Word. Our church attendance has dropped off and we're no longer serving the Lord as we once were. Some refer to this as backsliding. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll see how to help those who have wandered away. Pastor Ed Taylor will be in Hebrews 12 and James 5 for the most part, but we start off with this verse in 1 John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, they're described this way. It says, Little children, it's the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Now here's the thing what happens with a verse like that. You're like, well, they were of us and they're not of us, and now we see they're not of us, so let's leave them alone. The Bible says no. If you know of a person like that, James says, go talk to them about the error of their ways. So yeah, there's a, a revelation of their behavior, their lifestyle, but we're not just like, oh, they're not of us anymore, but we're to have a heart for them, a heart for them. They could have sat next to you. Their kids could be in Sunday school next to your kids. They could be parked in the parking lot next to you. They could be walking to the bus stop right here to touch the bus with you. And if you don't see them anymore, you don't see them to minister, you want to go after them. And I think the third group of people that's described here is backslidden sheep. Now, of course, this would be a category of believers. Again, that's another debate altogether. Some people don't believe believers can backslide, but I firmly believe believers can backslide. The word backslide is a Bible word. Uh, it was given to us as God's writing to the nation of Israel. And for sure, believers, followers of God backslide. How could you not look at someone like Abraham? Remember Abraham, the father of faith, also had many failures in his life even in his marriage. And he wandered and strayed, but finished strong. Moses served the Lord for sure, rose to the occasion, but he also murdered someone. And Moses had a big anger problem. He had a real resonant issue with anger. 
in his life. So much so that he missed out on enjoying the physical promised land with the nation because of his anger. I think of David. David chose an adulterous relationship. He chose to try to cover it up with murder and a whole host of weaknesses in his life. But David was a believer battling the flesh. Even using those examples, some would say, well, wait a minute, those are all Old Covenant. Those are all Old Testament. Yeah, you're right. I think of Peter. I mean, I would say straying away from God would be denying him three times, wouldn't you? That doesn't sound like strong faith. That doesn't sound like a believer moving forward in the things of God. But even Peter, he didn't lose his salvation. He lost his proximity. He lost his joy. He, he lost his confidence, but he didn't lose his salvation. Because when Jesus came back to him, he didn't convey new salvation to him. He just said, hey man, go back and do what you've been called to do. Love them, serve them, tend them. And so we all stumble and fall. We all sometimes fall flat on our face. But the Lord picks us up, strengthens us, and helps us along the way. So turning a sinner can be a brother, can be an unbeliever, doesn't matter. Just go out. I think, I think if James was here today and he goes, oh, you guys arguing about this and you want to know the answer? You want to know the answer? Yes, James, tell us the answer. Here's what I think James would say. He'd say something like this. Hey, just stop sitting around trying to figure it out and go out and look for someone that's straight away. Go minister to them. Go help them. You know, I think in, in a, the context of our church, you know, as the church has grown over the years, one of the concerns that always comes up uh, as the church has grown and it comes up in different seasons is, you know, Ed, we, we're, we're here and we're part of a, a larger church, but, you know, nobody knows. Nobody would even know if we came back. You know, nobody would know if we strayed away. Nobody would know. And, you know, you kind of blame that like on the church, like it would be the church's fault. But I want you to consider another point of view of that. Like if you weren't to come back and you were to leave for a few weeks, a few months, and nobody would know, don't you bear some of that responsibility? Don't you bear that? Like nobody knows you? You've been coming to this church how long and nobody knows you? Like, like let, let me just change your perspective a little bit. You want to be known here? You can be known. Like, like if you change your mind today and you say, you know what, I'm going to just start a prayer list and I'm going to start praying for the people that I sit next to. I'm going to ask them their name. I'm going to ask them an email or a phone number and I'm going to commit to pray for them two or three times a week. And then I'm going to text them and let them know. I'm going to check in on them by email. Maybe I'll invite them to have a, a piece of pie. I'll grab a coffee with them. Like if you change your perspective and you start thinking of others and you start reaching out and you start asking, you go, Ed, well, I've tried that. And the last time somebody just told me, I'll never let me pray for them. Okay, they probably had a bad day. That's possible. Go to the next person. Go to the next person. Go to the next person. I'm telling you, if you want to be known here, you can be known as a prayer warrior. You can be known as a helper. You can be known as a lover of Jesus Christ. You can be known. You can be known, you know, this church in particular, this fellowship family, there, there have been, we have had services where there have been as little as four people in a service. Did you know that? Four people, not including my family, so probably a little bit more, but four people came to a service on a snow night once, way back in the shack over there on Buckley. Four people. 
You know, you can be lost in a church of four people. You can be lost in a church of 4,000 people. You can be lost and kind of feel like nobody knows you if that's what you want. But if you want to be known, I promise you today before you leave, you can find someone to pray for. You can get their name. You can exchange numbers or email. And you can connect with someone and start. And you can come to a small group. We got a whole page full of stuff. If you're a man, come to the men's ministry. Married couples, they're meeting now. You have issues in your mind with post-traumatic stress? Come on out. You want to come to the new women's Bible study? Come on out. But here's what happens. What happens is it's easy to kind of turn inward. And then all of a sudden, we're not thinking of others more highly than ourselves. And even to the place where, you know, as I look and the church has grown over the years and you know, that there used to be a time, you know, where I knew everybody here. There used to be a time. There used to be a time when I took all of the, the, thing, the new believer things and the people new to the church. They'd fill it out. I was the one making the phone calls. I was the one writing the notes. But there came a point in time where I couldn't do it all anymore. You know, my focus had to be on prayer and the study of God's word and pastoral ministry. And I just couldn't do it all anymore. And then the, the church continued to grow and I didn't know everyone anymore. And, and I still don't. And then, and then I developed, you know, new habits, right? So I started memorizing people's faces. And I would remember faces and where you sat. And then COVID jacked that all up with your face coverings. And now you're all sitting in different places. And I don't know what to do anymore. And it's hard. For me, in my heart, it's hard. However, here's how, here's what the Lord has given me. I don't trust my ability to remember your name, your kids' names, your faces even. I trust in God's ability to shepherd and take care of you because he never fails. He knows you. He knows where you're sitting. He knows what you look like behind your face covering. He knows whether you're here or not here. And as you integrate with other people, you start to build those relationships. Because, you know, you can't be friends with every single person that you ever meet, you're not going to have that kind of relationship. You're going to have different tiers. Of, and that's how it is in a church. And, and those that study such things tell us that the typical person in a lifetime, the typical person has between three to seven real friends their entire life. And with Facebook and everything, you think, well, no, Ed, I got millions of friends. Not really. Not really. Not really at all. You want to develop friendships in the body of Christ so that when your friend is not here, you know it and you check in on them. And I think the Lord's just stirring us in this time of COVID, like this time of restrictions. If there was someone that used to sit next to you, someone you haven't seen in a while, you should reach out to them. And if you know them close enough, go to their doorstep. And if you have their phone number, call them, send them a text. If you need to, search them out and DM them through Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, whatever you're using, and be the church. And you don't need to, don't, please don't throw a guilt trip on them and don't, don't like, where have you been? You need to, but, but enter into their life merciful and careful. Maybe they have some pain and things that happen to them you don't know anything about and you're just checking. You're not, you're not saying come back to church. You're just checking in on their spiritual life. I haven't seen you in a while. You're doing okay. How can I pray for you? How can we be connected? How, how, just remember that, that you are loved and you're cared for. Why? Because James says, anyone. That's all of us. 
that we develop a habit of ministering to one another. And no, you are not going to be able to minister to everyone. And you may find out, you may find out, you reach out to them, man, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, you know what? We're, we're going to Saturday night service now. Oh, that's why I don't see you. Well, how's your life going? And what's going on? Let's go get some pie. Sure, let's get some rhubarb pie. No, thanks. <laughs> I said good pie, not bad pie. And you just start to rekindle the friendship and rekindle the relationship. And, and the body of Christ begins to serve one another. And getting involved in the smaller groups. And as we launch small groups again and we start, like, look, there's enough for you. It's not just the pastor's responsibility to care for the flock. It's your responsibility too. You know that. And we're not even a real heavy staff church. You know, we don't have a big staff. Because we believe in the priesthood of all believers. We believe in God empowering you to do the work of the ministry. We believe in you obeying this scripture. We believe in you that when you're missed, that someone has missed you. And that you will, even if you're like that right now, because I'm sure I'll get an email on this. So, well, you know, Ed, um, I was missed and nobody reached out to me. My answer to that is I'm sorry no one reached out to you. But here's how you can get over it. This is how you're going to be able to get through it. You start integrating and caring about people, and you'll be caring about people more, other people more than you care about yourself. And perhaps God just lets you be out on that island for a while so you can learn to be with just you and Him alone. Because nothing's wasted by Him. And the body of Christ, when it operates as Jesus desires, is a beautiful thing. Even with all our faults and failures, church. And so with the weak knees and the hanging down arms, God is calling us to reach out. And I want to end our message with five things you can do uh, to help others. Because that, that really is the question. So then what am I supposed to do? You know, how can I reach those that have wandered away? What, what are some practical things? Let me give you five. Number one. one. Number one. When you are thinking about those that might have wandered away or strayed away. Number one, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them because as we pray for those that are struggling and straying, we're praying that God would minister to them wherever they are and wherever they went. Ask God to speak to them. Order things in such a way that they would desire to return. Even as I met a brother after first service, he goes, you know what, Ed? I was one of those backsliders and I'm back. And I'm like, welcome home. I'm glad you're back. And he didn't have to tell me about the whole story of his backsliding because today is a new day for him to follow the Lord. So pray for the backsliders to come back. Pray for the prodigals to come home. Because the day that they do is the day that the Lord begins to work afresh and anew in their lives. And God answers that prayer. So pray for them. I know for me, I have a list of people in particular by name that I've just been praying for. That they may not believe they're straying away, but the things they're doing, the things they're saying, I'm just praying for them by name. And just knowing that the Lord is going to answer and I trust God with them. And then I can just leave it with Him and trust God with them. Number two, as you're looking and maybe looking to minister to the straying and the wandering, number two, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Why? Well, I don't want you to look down on anyone else because they've been trapped by the enemy or they've made a few bad decisions. You know, I don't want you to respond when you hear what they did and go, oh, I can't believe you did that. You were such a strong believer. No, 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 no. Just watch yourself and make sure, like the Bible says 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So don't forget yourself because anyone can fall away. Let your heart be one to restore and receive. Restore and receive. When others fall around us, it should send us to our knees. It should make us sad to see what the enemy has done to a life. The Bible says in Proverbs 16 verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We don't want that in our lives. Number three, number three, confront the erring person. Confront the erring person. Now remember, confrontation is not always a fight. Actually, very rarely is it a fight. Confrontation simply speaks of being there face to face, like being there in their life. And what the confrontation really is, is bringing the truth into a situation where a person's been wandering away. And you need to talk to them, basically. Reach out to them. Remember, it's not just picking a fight or any, never pick a fight. It's in order to turn a sinner from the error of his ways, you need to be involved in a sinner's life. <laughs> that makes sense, right? You got to be in proximity. Proximity is everything. Availability is everything. You might be all worried about your ability, but God's just saying, be available and I'll use you uh, beyond what you can even think. So be in their lives, reach out, send a note. And even as you're praying for them, who knows what God might open up. Number four, this is important because again, it's dealing with our heart. Forgive the repentant. Forgive the repentant. So vital. Don't miss this. Forgive, forgive, forgive. And it's too bad, is it not, that our church, our church perhaps, or, or the church, you know, just the large, our reputation as the church is we have a tendency to shoot our wounded and to kick them when they're down and to be utterly shocked when someone falls into sin. And, you know, we use that phrase, falls into sin, choose sin, whatever. It doesn't, just when sin destroys a life. And with the way of media, social media and everything, we get to hear about all kinds of churches now. It's not just the headlines of a local newspaper. It, things get splattered all throughout. Our own little Calvary Chapel families experience that. Other pastors experience that. And, you know, our heart should not be, I told you so. Our heart should be, man, another life destroyed. God, rescue that marriage. Rescue that man. Rescue that wife. Like it, our hearts should be broken. And we, we, we're not going to stand in like judgment over them. And if they hurt us personally, we're going to forgive them. We're going to forgive. We're going to say, you know, the debt that you owe me because of the sin, I forgive it. And we're going to walk in and live in forgiveness. And that's the bedrock. That's what, what makes up restoration, forgiveness. It doesn't mean you're not, you know, you're necessarily going to forget. I've done studies on this before. It's not like you're going to forget. It's not like you're not going to have a wound. But we're not going to hold it against you. It's not going to be held against you. We don't shoot our wounded. And we don't kick them while they're down. We accept them in Jesus Christ and help them rebuild what the enemy has tried to destroy. Hey, are consequences there? Yes. And that can be painful. And hard. I, I, as a pastor, so many times I want to remove consequences, but I can't do more than God is going to do. 
And so I just got to come alongside and encourage and strengthen and restore and rebuild and see God do a work watching myself because I can follow in the same foolish decisions myself. And then number five, of course it's not an exhaustive list, but number five, in helping others that have wandered away, we need to speak words of kindness and love to them. They need to hear about the love of God, God's love for them in particular. It's so key because the enemy is, does such a complete and thorough job of accusing the brethren. Have you ever been on the other end of the accusations of the brethren? Does your mind ever play tricks on you and cause you to doubt your salvation, doubt that God loves you? Anybody? Amen? Anybody? Has you ever had? I just met a brother uh, at one of the churches I taught just this last week, and, and he, the Lord had such a complete spiritual hookup for him, and the message wasn't even about what was on his heart, but the Holy Spirit took all these points and got to him. He came up and he shared, and he told me, he says, the enemy was accusing me all day to day. He began to share the depth of that accusation, and the Lord just had a word for him and ministered to him, and he's been dealing with this for 11 years these accusations, 11 years. It's been hard for him. So when someone does come back, when someone does choose to repent, when someone does choose to get back right on track with the Lord, what are, what's our responsibility but to encourage them? Because when we stray, the enemy's always there to hurt you even more. And I guarantee you, anybody that's backsliding right now, anybody that's uh, not saved right now, they're hearing all sorts of things. They got all kinds of things. Oh, I can't go back to church. They'll, they'll judge me there. No way. Then I'll see that. And I'm messed up too bad. God will never receive me again. The church will never take me back. Never. And if they do come back, listen, what they need is encouragement. Encouragement. To me, that's like the big word uh, for the church. The church just need. we need to be encouraged in the Lord, man. There's so much coming against us. We need to be strengthened and encouraged in the Lord. Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So I'm going to end with this. You listening live on the radio right now, or perhaps somewhere around the country, listening to radio, you're watching online, you're here in this room, maybe downstairs in overflow. If you've wandered away, you are welcome back here. You are welcome to come back. God wants to do a thorough work of restoration in your heart. He wants to bring true repentance in you. And you are welcome back. Maybe you're, this is your, today is your first step back from wandering. And you're back among the body of Christ. Welcome back. God wants to see you thrive. He wants to see you grow. He wants to use your life. You haven't completely wasted it. You haven't completely thrown it away. If you are still breathing today, there is a plan and a purpose for your life. And God wants you back. So if you have wandered or strayed, you are welcome here. Hey, we may not do this all perfectly. So show us grace as we attempt to show you grace. But when there's grace and love in the midst of us, man, who can stop a church filled with the love of God? What can stop the force of love among believers? Nothing and no one. The love of God is unstoppable, church. And as we abide in Christ, He abides in us. And the fruit of love, the fruit of the Spirit flows through our life. And it is a beautiful thing. Amen. 
You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace and a message titled, Caring Enough to Pursue the Wanderers. Hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Ed Taylor or Calvary Church. Each month, we pick out a book to help you develop a spiritual library with the hope and prayer it will aid you in your walk with the Lord. Here in September, we've got a good one to share with you, written by Louis Giglio, titled, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. Would you like to break free from the chains of negative thinking and experience true freedom from unhealthy thoughts and emotions? You can. In this book, you'll discover practical ways to overcome Satan's lies and find peace and security in any situation you find yourself in. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE or order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is a nonprofit radio ministry located in Aurora, Colorado. We're thankful for each and every listener that comes alongside us to help bring these teachings to your community every day. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Don't miss our next study in Hebrews. We'll pick up right where we left off today. That's here at Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. 